Friends, before we begin, let me invite you to keep up with all the Tracks for the Journey resources by subscribing to the Tracks Express newsletter. Once a week, I send a wide range of helps for well-being directly to your inbox. The Express has inspiration and insights for spirituality, relationships, ecology, emotional health, and yes, recipes for good food. The easiest way to subscribe is on my website, www.tracksforthejourney.com. Thanks for listening today. Would the real Larry Payne please stand up? The tagline of the TV show To Tell the Truth rings a bell for many listeners today. First produced in 1956, the program has aired 31 seasons of fascinating episodes. Bud Collier and then Gary Moore were the hosts in the first 20 years. Anthony Anderson has been an engaging host since 2016. You know that each show begins with the host telling an interesting story about the featured character and three guests who claim to be that person. That secret, featured character must tell the truth about their life experience, while the other two guests can lie to trick the contestants as they ask questions. Finally, the hosts ask the famous question to reveal the pretenders and the real character. Would the real Larry Payne please stand up? You can watch an episode this week to try your skills at guessing the real guest. Who is the real you? How do we form an identity that lasts across the decades? These questions and more are so important for our well-being. Yes, I am Larry Payne, your host for Tracks for the Journey, and today I want to explore this notion of identity. Who am I? It really is a question that comes to each one of us at some time, and perhaps several times in our lives. How you answer will determine how you think, act, and feel. So keep listening as we journey through this episode of Finding the Real Me. If I ask you to tell me your true identity, you would list many different qualifiers. You have a name, an occupation, a color of eyes, a network of relationships, and a social security number for sure. Some of you might tell about your hobbies, while others might give an Enneagram number. Still others would take pride in being a Texan or a faithful Jew or a volunteer at a local food bank. Identity is multifaceted, isn't it? And that makes it rich and wonderful for most of us. Sometimes, though, our identity can get us into trouble. In 1960, a quiet, dark-headed man was just finishing his shift at the Mercedes plant in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Over the past decade, he had been a valued employee, though somewhat reserved. Suddenly, a squad of men grabbed him and rushed him to a secret location. The next day, he was flown to Tel Aviv, Israel. After years of hiding, the most wanted Nazi in the world, Adolf Eichmann, was brought to justice. Eichmann had created the death camps of World War II that resulted in the deaths of millions of Jewish believers. 
After the war, he hid for five years with Catholic priests who were secret Nazi sympathizers. Under a false identity, he eventually fled to Argentina and blended into the large ex-German population. Found guilty of war crimes in a sensational four-month trial by an Israeli court, he was hanged to death in 1962. So who was Eichmann? A faithful soldier for his government? Or a brutal murderer who engineered the most horrific slaughters of World War II? Or a valued car assembly plant worker with a lovely family? We might ask, would the real Eichmann please stand up? I believe we shape our identity by integrating the past events, the present experiences, and our future goals. Let me explain in more detail. Our memories shape our identity. I remember parts of my life, like being a little league ball player in Joplin, Missouri, being a proud father of four children born in Oklahoma, and eventually a wide-eyed tourist in Rome. Those scenes inform who I am today as I recall the sights, sounds, and social network of each experience. There's far more to the process, though. Scientists are learning that I actively shape today's identity even as I recall yesterday. Dr. Juliana Mazzoni writes, Remembering is not like playing a video from the past in your mind. It's a highly reconstructive process that depends on knowledge, self-image, needs, and goals. She goes on to explain that we choose and filter the memories. This happens in two unconscious stages. First, we filter the experience shortly after it occurs, retaining some portions and discarding others. Second, we filter it as we recall it, by deeming some portions acceptable to our present notion of who we are and what we want to project to the world. This means that what I'm remembering about my trip to Rome is fluid, with my cognitive thoughts actively shaping what I remember in light of this present moment. Today I might remember the ruins of the Colosseum to help me teach a Bible class. Tomorrow, I may choose to remember the wonderful gelato I tried to eat every evening so I can savor again that frozen treat. Mazzoni makes the point like this. Picking and choosing memories is actually the norm, guided by self-enhancing biases that lead us to rewrite our past so that it resembles what we feel and believe now. The bottom line is that I remember to reinforce the moment I'm living now and the identity I choose to be. In my counseling, I often speak to my clients of the three selves. Imagine a hiking down a trail with two other people. You look to your left to see yourself as a child or teenager. That's the past self who holds all the memories and interpretation of those memories. This interpretation may be positive or negative. For example, the memory of moving to a new school as a child may hold the interpretation of a lonely saga, leaving a scar of anxiety that forbids the adult now from ever moving away from home for a more lucrative job. Or, the same move as a child may strike a different kiddo as a great adventure, 
building a confidence that creates an adulthood of bold business decisions. The young person on the trail with you talks constantly about the memories of the past self so loudly that you can hardly think of anything else. Consider the story of a zealous rabbi of Jerusalem around 33 AD who worked toward his identity for years. A precocious student of a prominent family, he had moved to the temple city to study under the great rabbi Gamaliel. His life was rigorously devoted to the complete teaching of Judaism. His ideal was to have righteousness with God through his zeal, just like the Maccabean clan 180 years before. Those brave men revolted against Rome to gain independence to worship God without pagan interference. This rabbi, named Saul, had a zeal that would stop at nothing to keep the nation pure. This even meant punishing heretics, like the followers of Jesus the Nazarene. On the road to Damascus to arrest more of them, he was bringing all of his experience of the past to his quest for the day. Today we're talking about identity, and we have figured out that there is a past self who is hiking today's trail with us. But that's not the only person on the trail. There's another one to the other side as you walk. On your right is an older version of yourself, maybe a little grayer and a little slower, this person of your future is more reflective, but excited about the hopes that fill his horizon with possibility. The hopes and goals for the future shape who, are, who we are today, just like the past. Millions of American high school students will graduate this month with hopes of the future large in their minds. Lucas has prepared for college by diligent study to have a high GPA. Isabella has her eyes set on trade school and manufacturing jewelry. Max has been working out at the gym to prepare for military boot camp. In each of these cases, the daily life of these students has been shaped by their dreams for tomorrow. And this continues all through life. Among the three hikers, the future self is filled to the brim with hopes and goals. These draw us towards who we might be. This is a great source of motivation and energy and resilience, but there are dangers. The future self might be striving toward an impossible or unrealistic goal. Not every guitar player performs at the Grand Ole Opry. Only a tiny number of soldiers become generals. We're forced to keep our feet on the ground of realism as we take flight toward our dreams. To do this, we turn to the third self that I help clients to understand, the third person walking along the trail. The hiker that you are most aware of stands between the past self and the future self. The present self must integrate the past and the future as an identity which brings the greatest well-being. 
adults have the mental development to put rational and realistic analysis to inform this process of integration. Adults can investigate and evaluate what we're feeling. We can learn from mentors. We can bring more logical examination of our actions. It is the present self who rules the present moment, forging the past and present into well-being. If we'll imagine these three walking down the trail, the present self must hold hands with the child of the past and the citizen of the future, integrating and seeking well-being. At least that's the hope, right? And so how can we do this effectively? One critical task in the integrative work of the present self is bringing realism to the interpretations of the past. The old beliefs that that child is holding may need correction by more developed adult reasoning powers. For example, an impoverished childhood may have left scars of fear about housing for a woman. This drives her to deal with her anxiety by overspending on lavish belongings, creating ultimately marital conflict and financial debt. In this case, it's time for the present self to bring more realistic thoughts about the fears. More expensive things don't really bring peace. Instead, living within the budget can bring contentment. Another task in the integrative work of the present self is making the daily choices for future well-being. Each choice today becomes a brushstroke of the identity pictured for the future. A man may hold the hope of spiritual maturity, a belief system that gives a larger meaning than his present factory job. The present self is where this slowly can become reality, as he develops practices of prayer and study under a trusted spiritual director. New beliefs can be adopted and connections formed with others on the quest. As the months go by, each choice, based on that future hope, becomes the reality of a renewed spiritual life. What about that rabbi of the first century on his quest of zeal to purge Judaism of this blasphemy? A mystical moment brought a vision of Jesus as the revelation of God, not a false and criminal Messiah. The emotional shock was so severe, the cortex of his brain shut down the visual images for three days, a condition known in psychology as a conversion disorder. As it was resolved, and in the next few months he stayed with that community, this student of Scripture reoriented his entire belief system to be a follower of Jesus. Paul the Apostle emerged as the new identity, devoting his life to spreading the message of a spiritual kingdom larger than the faith he once followed. His hope of identity as a man in right relationship with God was fulfilled, but in a different way than anyone could have dreamed. So dramatic was this identity linked with Jesus that he would later write, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. A new identity had been formed.
I hope you've enjoyed the episodes that I've presented during this 2021 season. You may not be aware that 16 episodes from last year are available as an ebook. I've adapted these live broadcasts into essays and given the citations behind them. I think you'll enjoy going back through these topics and looking once again. As you know, Tracks for the Journey uses progressive Christian spirituality, psychology, culture, and science to improve our insights and inspiration for well-being. Some of the episodes included in the book are Dare to Diary, Acceptance in the Serenity Prayer, The Matter of Black Lives, that was the most popular episode in 2020, The Bible and Your Health, Lesson the Stressin', that was a popular episode also, The Blue Marble in Crisis, which dealt with climate change, such a tremendous topic for 2021, and then the commencement speech for the School of Hard Knocks. I hope you'll go to Amazon.com and download the Kindle ebook that's available. The price is not very high, and you'll enjoy reading through these again. Our episode today is Finding the Real Me, and we've talked about the three selves that take us along our journey, the present self, the past self, and the future self. But the question each of us has to face pretty well every day is simply this, how are you doing with your identity? All too often, building this and finding well-being is hard work. And I certainly hope it doesn't create a moment of psychic disorder like Paul experienced. Yet I can predict your quest will have some challenging times. I've suggested two tasks for the present self, the one who's listening now, that are helpful. One is to bring more rational thoughts to the negative troubles that boil up inside. Anxiety, depression, and anger may indicate the need to talk through the thought patterns that lie underneath the emotions you're feeling. A second task is to prioritize the actions that will build momentum to construct whom you hope to be. That's challenging in this busy life, I know, but one right choice a day adds up to a large change. A third task is also worthwhile for the present self. It is to connect with people who are more advanced on the journey of identity. It is fundamental to human nature that we're social creatures. We don't know who we are except through the family and society in which we live. This third task maximizes the power of our social constructions. We do this in finding the friend you can feel intuitively has got it together inside her mind and soul. Or we can find this by strengthening the connection with the teacher who has genuine empathy and an open door for us to come. The task could also be filled by the person at your church who's always willing to listen without judgments to the doubts you're harboring. 
spending time with these kinds of people models for you how a new perspective on life really looks in the real world. And you can rise to new heights as you become part of that team. The story of Tom Terrance shows us the power of identity. Tom was born in Mobile, Alabama. He was raised in a Baptist church, but the family was more committed to the teachings of George Wallace, who declared in his 1963 inaugural speech as governor of Alabama, segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. Tom's high school was one of the first to be integrated, which pushed him to become a member of the Ku Klux Klan. In the next 10 years, he devoted his energy to many criminal and hate-motivated actions against blacks and Jews. He was a member of the White Knights, the most violent of all the Klan groups, and participated in more than 30 bombings of Jewish synagogues and businesses. In June 1968, the FBI, acting on a tip, tried to start stop a car driven by Tom. He fled and was finally cornered. There was a shootout that killed his woman companion and wounded him four times. He nearly died. In the car was KKK literature and a bomb that was intended for the home of a Jewish family in Mississippi. In the course of the next year, he was tried, convicted, and sent to prison for 30 years. In prison, solitary confinement and alone, he turned to reading to keep his sanity. First, he read Mein Kampf by Hitler. Then he began to expand his reading, reading Greek philosophers and others who had impacted life across the centuries by their writings. After a time, he came under the influence of some chaplains and the prisoners who were living with faith about their future. He began to study the Bible, a book he had often heard referred to but never really read. The words of Jesus in the Gospels challenged him. As Jesus said, What will it profit if a man gains his whole world but loses his soul? He was forced by his near death from the arrest and the crushing honesty of the trial and conviction to examine his own beliefs. In the darkness of his cell, alone one night, he converted to Christ and the way of love. He publicly renounced the clan, the chaplains, and a Jewish community leader who had befriended him, plus the wife of an FBI agent who had been praying for him since the trial, stood before the parole board a few years later and asked for his early release. They did. And after eight years, Tom Terrance walked out of prison, a different man than the angry, hate-filled one who had entered. He moved to Washington, D.C. He went to seminary. He entered the Christian ministry and pastored an interracial church. And until a couple of years ago, he led the prestigious C.S. Lewis Institute, applying Christian principles to modern life. What a change. Tom Terrance is a study in identity and the power of change for well-being. 
the years of solitary confinement forced his present self to correct the past and to strive toward a future with the highest values. Would the real you please stand up? That question can be answered only if we've done the work of establishing our identity. Our identity. Would the real you please stand up? That question can only be answered if we've done the work of establishing our identity. I've presented three important steps to take in creating the identity that will build your well-being and have a healthy future. Many have hiked the trail to bring together past, future, and present. They've revealed their truth to the world far beyond a quiz show host. It's time to find the real you, the identity of well-being that lives in your skin. Thanks for sharing this episode of Tracks for the Journey as we explored Finding the Real Me. I'm Larry Payne, your host, and I invite you to join me on the Tracks for the Journey Facebook page where we'll continue to discuss these important topics. You can also email me at trackspodcast at mail.com. Tracks for the Journey is recorded at the Bright Star Studio. All rights reserved. Original music by Jan Bjork through Epidemic Music. The scripture is from the NIV. I want you to keep tracking on your path to well-being.